Hey, it's Chris McKay, and welcome to another edition of the Hot Country Podcast. The Hot Country Podcast being brought to you in part by Passport America. If you're paying full price for your campsite, you're paying 50% too much. And by Surfshark. Secure your digital life by making sure your location is private and your sensitive data is secure. For more information on these and other sponsors, visit hotcountrypodcast.com. When we return, he was Chris Ledoux's right-hand man, and now blazing the highway with Ned Ledoux. It's the hero behind the legend, Mark Sissel of Western Underground. He joins me next on the Hot Country Podcast. Hey, Mark Sissel, how are you? I'm good, Chris. How are you doing? It's been a very long, long time since you and I have had, uh, for lack of better words, FaceTime. I was going through all my records of of the last time we shook hands and, and hung out. And believe it or not, it was uh, before Chris passed away. So we're talking at least 2,000. It's been almost 21 years since you and I have shared time together. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was looking forward to it, Chris. It's been that long. And heck, that's back when we could shake hands. You you know what? 2020 and 2021 hasn't gotten any better <laughs> when you think about it. Uh, crazy for the music industry, crazy for everybody in general. But that brings up an interesting topic that I wanted to share with you as we go back in time. Now, I know you we're all celebrating. You had brought that up earlier, uh, the 50th anniversary of Chris Ledoux. That is just so hard for me to fathom. From the guy selling albums on the back of his pickup to to where he went in his career. But the opportunity to sh- actually shake hands with you. Do you remember the Pomerado Club, the Big Stone Lodge in Poway, California? Yes. Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, was that in 89? No, 91. Um, that was 91. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's what I was, I was thinking. That... That would make more sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I do remember that spot. Yeah, and Jerry Long was the owner, of, uh, and it kept changing its name. It was Pomerano Club, then it was Big Stone Lodge. And then all the opportunities after that, you and I shook hands. It was just after you had gotten together with Chris, and, I, and that day I don't remember. But it was just an opportunity <laughs> to bring up how long we've known each other. And, and it's amazing that some 30 years that we've had this relationship, not only with you, but with Chris and talking baseball with KW. Uh, uh, I still have somewhere in my collection, the misspelled uh, Gary Bodley guitar pick. Uh, one of those. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do have a yeah. lot of Chris Ledoux stories, but I actually have more Mark Sissel stories. So for those that have tuned in, and when you when you hear the name Mark Sissel, you kind of wonder who who the hell is Mark Sissel, and and if you yeah, know if yeah. you know the name Chris Ledoux, you know Mark Sissel. So let's go back to the humble beginnings. What was Mark before Chris Ledoux, and share the story of your introduction with Chris and hitting the road, would you? I mean, we were obviously I'd been playing around i was in salt lake city uh at that time uh, the end of the 80s we were a house band uh gary bodley who you brought up that was the bass player in 89 when we started with chris gary bodley um let's see myself bobby jensen was the keyboard player in that house band the drummer that was with us could not uh take off because uh, our old production guy, uh, or Chris's old production guy, and somebody we'd worked with quite a bit, Jill Clark, had introduced us to Chris. Chris was looking for, I, I believe, I always say that I, I think, you know, his rodeo career was done at that point. Uh, and I think Ranch Academy was, was not great right at that time. Uh, so I think he was, hey, I think I'll... Uh, you know, make, make a solid run at this music thing. We really get serious about it, you know, and yeah. he needed, he needed full-time guys that could just take off with him. So he ended up, uh, Joe brought him in. We ended up getting together, playing some music. He decided to bring us on and we did a record. You know, we didn't do a show. We did that record first to Powder River. That was his last independent record right? before signing with Capitol. So we got together, and, and, and I always like to note that when when we met, he sent me tapes, cassette tapes, 
down to Salt Lake from Wyoming, where he'd been working for months writing these songs. I still remember asking him, Chris, what's that sound on the tapes? There's like a chunk, chunk, chunk in, in the back. Oh, oh, that's the dryer. I was sitting in a basement doing this, you know. So, uh, so he sent those tapes, and then he came down at a point, and we gathered up at uh, my house in in Salt Lake and and rehearsed that stuff. Went into a studio there, and that was also the first time I believe he just sort of stepped out on his own and didn't, you know, he'd been doing these records down in Nashville, and uh, he just was kind of expressing himself uh, here at this point. Uh, not that he hadn't, but I think he just had another vision in his head. Uh, and speaking of vision, that's how he spoke to us when right. we were talking through these songs. And I always loved that. You know, he would say, OK, we're, we're going to do this one now. Do you know when the skies and, and you know, the sun's setting and those skies get kind of purpley, maybe a little pink and orange in there and and the windmills creaking and the flies buzzing around lands on your lip. You know what that sounds like, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, I, I was really inspired by that, you know, that he wasn't talking about, uh, I mean, I did, we were starting a song and I said, well, how many bars before you want the band to come in? And he said, what's a bar? Yeah. I said, well, in this case, it's, it's four beats. Oh, okay. Well, whenever you want to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> real, where real everything open, it fits. Yeah, real visual, really open. He was expressing his music in how he saw it in his head, and I really liked that. You know, that was uh, I was really starting to connect right off the bat with him because it was it was inspirational. It was different. It was a new approach, and I liked it. You know, and you know, we gathered up and and we did that record, and we started doing. Uh, some shows with him and we maintained that house band gig that we had there in Salt Lake City so we'd play you know five nights a week uh, and then if he had shows you know the owner at that place we were playing said well you can go ahead and do that thing but just replace yourselves if you got to be out for three days then find the band to fill in for you <laughs> so that's what we were doing we just hey get our buddies you guys come in and play for a few nights we, we have to go out with uh, the dude you know and it just kind of started that way. And we didn't do a ton of shows. We were everybody driving their own rigs and kind of meeting up and doing shows uh, here and there. And uh, until, and, and of course, at that point, uh, at a point, Garth came out with Much Too Young to Feel the Soul right. and mentioned Chris. And, and that's made a little spark. And, you know, everything kind of fell together and Capital came and signed him up and boom. It was the early 90s, and country music was a red rocket ride. You're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong. With old age comes uh, thoughtfulness, and of course, because we're very kind, but it also comes with forgetfulness. And and with that said, <laughs> uh, as thoughtful as I can be here, um, uh, you and Chris were on the road, uh, and I got a call from you. And, and again, those that don't know who Mark Sissel is, he is Chris Ledoux's right-hand man. That was the guy. This was the guy. You're, you're with TKO Management. You're, you're his road manager. You're the chief bottle washer. And, and if I need to, to make contact, I always go through Mark, and Mark would go through Chris. And then finally, over the years, things change. But I want to go back to the early days. 1990, I got a call from you, and you said... Hey, we're at the Cocky Bull in Victorville. Is that anywhere near you? And I said, yeah, it's right up the hill, the 15 from San Bernardino. And you said, well, we're playing up here at Cocky Bull. If you can make it great, I'll put your name at the door or something. I, I forget how that worked. But that was 1990, correct? And that was the night I didn't show up. But wasn't that the night that Garth Brooks opened for Chris? <laughs> that's the night you didn't show up. Yeah, who's the night I didn't show up? <laughs> yeah, the first the first time they played together and actually met was uh, was at the Cocky Bowl yeah. in in Victorville, uh, high <laughs> desert there. And and you know I, that was there's there's a variety of little stories that go with that, but right. it was definitely because you know two weeks. I have to say this two weeks before we were in Phoenix playing a venue and the owner came back and said, Hey, uh, Garth, 
uh, Garth Brooks tour manager is here and wanted to say hi. Okay. Well, sure. We're going to play a show with him in a few weeks. Uh, have him come back and we treated him great. You know, yeah. it's Garth tour manager. Why would we not, you know, and here, have some food and drink and hang with us and, and all this stuff. Right. So two, three weeks later, we pull up to cocky bowl. And now I'm thinking, because we know those people pretty well, they're, uh, we've done shows out there before and, and they kept saying, well, you guys go ahead and set up because uh, Garth is going to open. And by this time, Garth has much too young to feel this old and right. tomorrow never comes. He has those songs out. So he's he's already, you know, shooting up the chart. Yeah, eating it he, up. You know, he's, yeah, he's he's doing great. And I'm thinking, well, that's, y'all are messing with us. You know, right. I'm not going to offend the guy, you know, the first time we meet, you know, no, 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 it's, that's what he asked that you guys are the headline. And, and anyway, I thought, well, let me talk to his guy. Cause they just pulled up outside. So in comes Tim. And I said, uh, he said, Hey, I'm, I'm Garth tour manager. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> and, and I knew right then, as soon as I saw his face that somebody just you know, it's pulling a fast one. Right. You know, and I said, no, you're not. Um, he goes, well, yeah, I am. I said, look, I, I got to tell you, there's somebody running around the country saying that they're you <laughs> using your name and it's not you. I agree. It's not you, <laughs> but <laughs> the guy just hit us up a couple weeks ago in Phoenix. He goes, no kidding. Really? Uh, and I will say that, Years and years later, I'm in Nashville. I grab a an Uber to go downtown. No, and it's and it's Garth, at, who was at that time in the early '90s. It's him. It's his tour manager. No longer with him. You know, long long ago, right. long after that. But I, and I said, and we finally connected. We figured out who each other, who we were. Right. And I said, dude, you know. Did you ever find that guy? <laughs> he goes, Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> he had he had uh, been a stagehand or something at one of their shows and did something, and uh, Tim had given him his card. You know, uh. well, if you need anything, you know. And he went out and printed a whole bunch of those <laughs> cards up. It was years later in the mid nineties that. That you were doing a show, and you'll you'd have to tell me what the name of the club is, but it was it was in it was in Orange County, and it it was not Denim and Diamonds. It was another one of those restaurants, Riverside Cowboy, maybe maybe the Cowboy in in Anaheim, one of those. And once again, you call me and say, "Hey, Chris," and at that time I was in San Diego, and you and I touched base, and you said, "Hey, listen, come on up." And it was like, I didn't have the heart to tell you. I said, yeah, go ahead and put me on the list. And, you know, I told Mary, hey, do you want to head up there? And she goes, oh, my God, we're going to drive the Interstate 5 on a weeknight and blah, blah. You know, so we kind of, so sure. it was like, yeah, I don't need to go there. So I, I passed on the offer then. And then I'm reading, you know, a, I don't know, a spreadsheet, you know, Nashville Nuggets or Nashville Today or whatever. And, and I'm on the air and I'm doing a cold read. And it was the first time I used the wrong language on the air because <laughs> it was one of those moments where I was saying, you know, Trisha Yearwood's doing this and blah, 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 blah. Hey, meanwhile, Garth Brooks shocks Chris Ledoux at the whatever uh, in Anaheim last night. And I, and <laughs> without skipping a beat, I still have the air check somewhere. I said, oh, crap. That was the second oh, time. <laughs> And it was, it was okay. My second chance meeting with Garth Brooks goes out the window via Chris Ledoux via a concert. So I, my understanding was Garth was in Los Angeles and came down to say hi to you guys. So it was one of those yeah. things. The the fun part about my story, Mark, was years later, <laughs> I get to meet Garth Brooks uh, for one of his shows here in San Diego. Corporate radio sucks, and and corporate radio gets all the big gigs and all those little outskirt radio stations that are plugging and promoting um, Chris Ledoux uh, get kind of shunned, and because we're playing Chris Ledoux and all these artists that the big corporate stations don't play, 
But it was kind of interesting that I, I walk in, I have two backstage meet and greets, and the other station has 20. So they allow me to go in first, and Garth had just finished doing, um, was it Fan Fest in Nashville? And uh, up for three days, and he hadn't slept, and he was like a kid in a candy store. He was, he was just, I think the boy was running on plenty of coffee. And we are literally laying on the ground in the in the green room, and he's signing autographs for my listeners. We're literally on our bellies and up on our elbows, and he's got his feet kicking up in the back like crisscross, like a a four year four year old does watching TV. Yeah. And sure. when that was all over, he looked over and he said, can, "Well, can I sign an autograph for you?" And I said, "Yeah." And I took my hat off and I said, "Would you sign this hat?" And and then I shared with him the story about the cocky bull in Victorville and the cowboy there in Anaheim. And he looked at the hat and he said, oh, I'm in good company. There were two signatures on the hat. One was Chris Ledoux and the other one was Clay Walker. And he said, I, I'm, I'm honored to be on this hat. And that's when I got that first humble experience. But he had even more stories to talk about Chris. And here you say it's the 50th anniversary of Chris Ledoux. Um, it's just amazing to find out how many people in the industry loved him and respected him, and yet he wasn't part of that top-of-the-line uh, Nashville Class A, A-list people, but everybody knew who Chris Ledoux was. And then we come full circle, everybody knows who Mark Sissel is. So it's so... Well, I, I don't know about that, Chris, but... But yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say it's amazing to find people <laughs> that don't know who you are. And, and it, we're not talking about name dropping. It's just one of those things where, oh, I was talking to Mark Sissel. And then it's like, well, he does right. this. And, and, then the, and then the light bulb, then the light bulbs go off. And they go, well, of course. And what I found great about you was you loved being his right hand. Yeah, it definitely, it, it, it absolutely became that quickly really uh and hey before i go into that chris i want to just point out that the lesson to be learned there is that when i call you and say chris do you want to come up <laughs> you need to come up okay <laughs> it's now it's now our code it's the code yeah yeah it's the code I can't, maybe i can't say what's happening yeah. but mark mark up, yeah mark just called up. from phoenix and he wants you to come to a show your name's on the list i'll drop what i'm doing yeah. you know and early on as we started back there in 89 and, and we did the first shows and 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 at that point chris had no management no booking agent he had he had nothing really he was just doing shows and he would send letters out and um and and after we did a bunch of shows that first year, I said, well, Chris, you know, it, nobody really knows what we're bringing and we don't know what they have when we come to these shows. And, and it would help if uh, I could call these people, you know, uh, we find out what the shows are. I'll call them and figure out what they've got going on, maybe set a schedule and let them know what we're bringing and, and you work out those kind of details and, and Hey, you don't, if you'll cover the phone bill, don't have to worry about paying me. Let's just get, get started and try to get things a little more organized. And, oh, okay. We started there. And, and then that's really what, why I ended up in that position. And, and, uh, you know, I was just so taken by the whole scenario and Chris and how he was and, what a great character he was and this great music that he had. And, and we just started working down that road. And, and as, uh, he was signed and then, uh, connected up with TK Kimbrell, uh, TK artist management, who, who I still work for to this day, TK, uh, his company had proposed, well, we should get a professional tour manager. Well, by that time we'd been working a couple of years, and, and Chris and I had kind of connected and felt pretty good about it. And I said, well, you know, I think I'm okay. We're okay as we're rolling, you know, Mark can cover some of that stuff. And, but boy, I mean, when he got signed and, and, you know, the early nineties in country music was fantastic. You know, Correct. I mean, yeah. well, if you had a country band, you just fill the place up because when we dropped, when he was signed and it, it just took off. We just went from zero to 60 
right now. Yeah. Uh, so all of a sudden we're in arenas and and on these tours, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I started watching people. I started watching the people that looked like they had their act together, you know, right? <laughs> Following yeah. them around and learning, kind of on the on the go, you know, just learning on the run, and 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 it worked out. And and of course, I'm working for Chris too. I mean, he's the nicest guy. He's the last guy to complain. Uh, I got to go through all the band members complaining before I'd ever get to Chris. Right. But uh, easy going, you know, he just liked going down the road, making music and, and having fun. So uh, he, he made the whole thing a lot easier. But. If I were to ask uh, Mark Sissel, put him on the spot, what is your favorite Ledoux song to play? And what's your favorite song overall? If they're, if it's not the same. Boy. Yeah, that's, that's on the spot. I, uh, you know, firstly, I'll say that I'm I'm terrible at favorites. What's your favorite movie? What's your uh, favorite gotcha. song? What's You'd... your favorite thing? Right. I'm, I'm the worst because each, everything has its own moment. You know, uh, Chris Ledoux doing Seventeen. You know, just always, you know, give me shivers. Right. You know, uh, and, and but you know, Eight Second Ride's always a blast to play. Cowboys Hat, just the essence of that song and how we do it in the shows with the single solo spotlight coming straight down on top of him and it's dark and he starts that song and 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 all of those all the components you know fit together to make something inspirational at that moment or exciting or whatever it might be it's it's if somebody asks what's your favorite venue to play or place to play it just has more to do with with it than just the venue, the, the the crowd and how they respect, how they react to you and, and interact with you. And there's some small places, you know, it's, yeah, it's great to be in an arena with 30,000 people might be a little big for an arena. That's more of a stadium <laughs> starting to get there. <laughs> but anyway, you know, a full arena or, or a festival with 40,000 or those, those scenarios. But Sometimes there are those smaller venues that are intimate and, and you can really, you know, the crazy horse down there. Yeah. When it was in Santa Ana and, and Fred and, and that whole scenario was, was special to go there and do that, you yeah. know, but you felt like you were standing on your stage was on somebody's table. Right. You know, right. you're so close in there. You know, there was there was a mutual respect between the venue and the artist. And it was just a special thing. So there's a lot of little places like that 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 come into play. And so, yeah, a specific favorite. Boy, it's tough. You solved the mystery. It was Fred at the Crazy Horse. As soon as you said that, it all came together. That's the club in 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 Orange County. So there you go. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so the, yeah, the yeah, mystery, right. the mystery is solved. It was the, the other, the other Garth Brooks story. You know, so as soon as you yeah. said that, I went. You yeah. you said Crazy Horse, and my mind went Fred, and then you said Fred. It was like okay, that was it. That that was kind of yeah. A, but so thanks for solving that mystery. By the way, that works out well. Yeah. Hey, if we talk out loud enough, every you know the right hand man. Right. You know, yesterday was was the anniversary of Chris's passing uh, in two thousand fifteen, March ninth. Yeah. I just came across a, a photo of of Chris, and it wasn't the greatest photo of him, but I was it was just looking past him, and I'm kind of in the shadows, you know, off of his right shoulder. Yeah. And I thought, man. You know, I spent 16 years basically off of his right shoulder yeah. uh, with a guitar in my hand. And there's nothing more special than that. I, I love that spot, you know, just to be off that right shoulder, making that music, being a part of making that music. So it's funny you brought that up. And just yesterday I made that post. Yeah. That's kind of what popped out of my head. I did find... Over my lifetime, coming in to see Chris, and and whether we did a backstage and said hello and brought you a bottle of wine or whatever, but to to see him at a rodeo, um, whether it was Camp Pendleton Rodeo, the Poway, Lakeside Rodeos here in the San Diego area, or I, I can only imagine at all the other rodeo grounds that Chris would, and you would come play, you know, for the Friday night or Saturday night dance, that was his element. And that was that was your element. You guys come alive at a rodeo grounds, and I some I guess it's pretty obvious. I mean, here he is a gold buckle winner, 
that was home for him, was it not? Better than the big arena? Well, yeah. Um, there's always a conversation with, well, yeah, he's just wearing a cowboy hat. Wow. You know, he's doing country music and he wears a cowboy hat, but it's not a real thing. And, and there are plenty of real cowboys singing great music yep. out there. But I mean, you know, this guy had the buckle. He's a world champion. Correct. Uh, and, and whether you understand, you weren't familiar with rodeo, then I would say that's like a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. That's the top of your field. That's that's the, that's best, the pinnacle. The best know? of the best. And what you have to go through to get that buckle, you know, is amazing. So he's he's obviously what he speaks is is uh, is true. It's a, it's a lifestyle that he sang about. So it fits that that mold. Um, so yeah, uh, somebody say, hey, I want you to know now where you're playing. It's it's dirt. You know, I just want you to be aware. <laughs> say, yeah, really, we play for Chris Ledoux. We're we're good in dirt. We we love dirt. You know, no problem. <laughs> You know, don't worry about that. We'll get right in it. Yeah, he he was definitely at home there, and and you know he ter- told us early on. Uh, I mean, we're, we were musicians, you know, uh, not rodeo cowboys, and and not that familiar with the sport overall. But he took us behind the shoots and and introduced it, us to it, and and really inspired that. He would talk about a certain horse that he he was going to ride, or or you know pacing back and forth and looking at this horse in the in the eye, and and you know they were like athletes. They're both athletes, and how he relayed the sport to us, it was it was spectacular, you know. So you quickly grow to appreciate it, and the guys that do it. And I thought, what running down the road playing these old clubs and doing all this stuff like back in the 80s or 70s when I was doing it. I thought that was tough, but the rodeo cowboy's going down the road and he's got to pay to play. Yeah, he you does. know, he's got to pay to enter. He has to win to make money. Um, and, and it's boy, those guys are tough, you know, getting out there. So I think when he sings about something like that, they know he lived it. Yeah. And, and that makes it honest and makes it true. And I always, told him he'd we'd be in the dressing room after a show and he might say um boy why do you suppose all these young folks are following this raggedy old cowboy around <laughs> because they believe you yeah and, you know why wouldn't they you only speak the truth i believe you you know that's that's why we're drawn to it it's the truth it's honest i have a closet of collectibles and my family knows that I cherish everything that's in all those boxes. And it dawned on me years ago that they're sitting in boxes. Why do I have them? I have a vast collection of autographed pictures and and stuff from Chris. And as the years have gone on, Mark, I, I would meet people and then they say, who's your favorite country artist? And I'd say, well, that I'm going to answer like Mark Sissel. That's a really hard question to answer but I would have my top five. Chris Ledoux would always be there. Eyes light up, and they'd say, oh, Chris Ledoux. Oh, he's my favorite, and I love this, and I love that, and he did this, and he did that. And then I would look at him and, and say, the person that I'm talking to would really like something I have that's sitting in a box in a closet. So I'm going to tell you, Mark, I have given away every autograph piece of Chris Ledoux I've ever owned, and that includes that cardboard Copenhagen CD release that I had autographed. Everything autographed by Chris I have given away, except for one thing. Still have it. It's in the drawer right over there. I could go pull it out right now. It's an autographed book of Gold Buckle Dreams. You are absolutely right. That man earned that gold buckle and then spent another how many years singing a different storyteller of country music. And there's a lot of them out there that could tell a story through song. But you're right. He's the one that actually lived through winning that gold buckle. Yeah, that particular lifestyle for sure. And that honesty that comes out through his music is what captures everybody that listens. You know, we did we did a a choreographer in New York city called me one day, Cole called me and he, and he said, if you give me a second, uh, 
and he tells me about this production that he's created of all Chris Ledoux music. And it's going to have 14 professional dancers. <clears throat> and he wants to have Chris's band, Western Underground, on stage. And we're going to tour this thing. Uh, and he's telling me uh, there's no talking, you know, there's no dialogue other than Chris Ledoux's songs. So the, the whole story is told through Chris's lyrics. And mm. it's not a life story about Chris Ledoux. It's a story about a young uh, cowboy that, uh, and really the, the overall process of becoming uh, a champion, going down the road, there's, you're always drawn to, there's a dark path, there's a light path, there's, there's different roads you can be pulled into. And, and, you know, kind of the making of a champion. And he said, uh, and, he, and he's a good friend of mine, you know, obviously we did this thing, but um, he said, I'll never forget what you said to me. After that, I explained. I said, I don't remember what. Nothing. He said nothing. <laughs> Completely <laughs> silent. <laughs> and I said, well, I didn't really understand what you were trying to accomplish. I, I just wasn't putting it in place, you know, on, on a Broadway stage or something. Now, it never toured. We workshopped it. Right. But the point being was that so when we start putting this thing together, and it was the band on stage, uh, all these Chris Ledoux songs put together to tell this story. We had uh, professional dancers. Um, it was fantastic. And uh, But as I was talking to people uh, from Jersey, you know, in New York City, people that were not country fans, they were in the production side of it or, or dancers or whatever it might be, and, and their world was different. But all of them, all of them reacted the same way as they got into this music. I'll never forget the uh, sort of multimedia video guys and, and an older uh, gentleman uh, from Jersey. And he said, Mark, before we start talking business, let me tell you this Chris Ledoux thing. It's just eating me up. You know, all I want to do is crank, get my car, crank up Chris Ledoux, roll the windows down and just drive. Yeah. You know, I just love it. I'm just taken by it. You know, the dancers, they, they just, you know, they're getting a chance to wear cowboy hats and, and, right. and boots. They're dance boots, but they look like cowboy boots. They're loving that. You know, they're just, they're into the music. Uh, this We workshop this in uh, theater in, in Queens, where they do a lot of experimental theater and different things like that. So about 400, it's about 400 people. And they come in and, and the director would go out and say, uh, introduce the production it is a workshop so it's like three quarters of the way together um but he would uh say how many people here are familiar with chris ledoux and his music and and you know eight nine ten people right. 20 maybe out of three four hundred okay well you know they need to explain then we do the show and then you do a uh, talk back i think or whatever they call it in theater you come out and you sit at the front of the stage and, and people can ask you questions right because you're developing this show, uh, this production. And, and so you'd kind of take feedback. And then he would ask, now after seeing this show, how many people here would, would now want to listen to more Chris Ledoux music, know more about Chris Ledoux? How many people were inspired by, and you know, 90% of the people. Yeah. They're, they're so what I learned from this, especially that adventure we did out there was that his music, I think because of the honesty, it's truth, it's honesty, it's, it's, it's a man singing and relaying stories of a lifestyle that's, that's kind of iconic in its nature anyway. You know, the American cowboy, the, you know, all of this stuff, and they can really connect. That's what connects to them. You know, honesty, number one, you know, uh, truth in something. So... I was just fascinated by the the people that that are drawn to it. We just had a uh, uh, an old song that I had to have a, a company here in Nashville pull off of a quarter inch reel to reel tape um, to put on a new project we're working on. It's an old old Chris Ledoux song, and 
he had to all the stuff they have to do to get it off these old tapes, like from the seventies right. that are about to disintegrate, you know, before we save it. And he, uh, and this kid's 29 and he's going, Hey, I don't know this guy, but this is awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah. He really, really loved it. He said, I'm not so much a country guy, but boy, this, this guy is like the real deal, isn't he? You know? So they just, it just oozes out, you know? the realness of, of Chris and his music. And you being instrumental as part of that, as we, as we take a look at his, his lifetime and the music that he brought out. And again, you being a part of that, I, I was quite taken by, um, after the passing of Chris, uh, there was a lull and I, I had the, and I need to thank you publicly for setting up uh, an opportunity to talk with Ned Ledoux and, the insight that he had around that same time where you guys put a, a tribute band together and hit the road. And then uh, Ned brought in other people into this and then the Western underground. And, and if we fast forward now to today, the Western underground isn't Western underground anymore. Western underground is the boys in the band of Western underground are now backing Ned Ledoux going on this new road that's being blazed. And what I really appreciated from Ned was his honesty. I put him on the same spot. I said, what's your favorite song by your daddy? And he said, most people would think it's this cowboy's hat. And he said, they may be right, but I think it was Western skies because he lived that life. He, he left Nashville where Nashville was and he left home where home was and he'd rather be at home. So I find it yeah. awesome that, and, and I told Ned, you you kind of look like your daddy, you you kind of sound like your daddy, and yet you're distinctively Ned Ledoux. And now you're on the road with Ned. Same correlation. It, it, do you see that rose, uh, that road being blazed the way that I do? Do you see that now you're on the path with Ned? Are you filling the same role uh, that you did for his dad, or is this a, a new adventure for Mark as well? Oh no, it's 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 the same role. I like to say that I've been riding riding the brand for about thirty uh thirty two years, you know. I ride the brand. I've been playing Ladue music for <laughs> forever that long. And basically only Ladue music. You know, it's just worked out that way. I got involved in, in artist management and working for the same company that managed Chris and all that. So you know, there's a lot of those office details and all that kind of work that goes on. As far as music comes down, that's that's what that's what I've played all of those years. And and uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, Chris, early on when we started Ned, I mean, as I said, I we don't know what's going to happen, but I think you take the shot and let's find we're going to find out pretty quick. And and being able to. You know, we manage a lot of artists, but I don't tour with those artists. I'm not out there. I don't have that opportunity to be out there with all of the artists that I might work with. But to be there allows me to listen and talk to people and see how they're reacting to it. Because there's always a point where an artist has to connect to an audience, you know, and they connect to the artist. And, and then you start to see that happen and you think, okay, now we've, we've got it. We've got a path to follow now because they are connecting. Uh, it's not, it's not a guarantee. If you're a child of a, of a celebrity or a, of, of an artist or somebody that's that's had success and have a big career, it's not a guarantee that you're going to. You still have to prove yourself separately from that person. It gets you in the door, maybe. But and just let me let me jump back just quick, just sure. to say. So underground, really, when Chris passed, it, we didn't really mean to take off as as it ended ended up. We had a couple of people call and say we'd like to do a tribute to Chris right. at our event, and and would would you be willing to come and play his music? You know, so it kind of started that way. Sure. And then we felt uh, we felt it after a few of those shows that there's some healing in this It's good for us to play that music absolutely and talk to people and and some of them felt good about it some people were apprehensive to come out because 
Chris wasn't there. But right. at any rate, uh, it, it, it carried on. In 2007, we made an album called Unbridled, uh, this Western Underground album. And of course, Ned is is drumming. Right. You know? And he's one of our, we have two drummers, which started with Chris. And and uh, he's drumming. So we're finishing tracking on our second or third day in the studio. And it's, you know, close to midnight. And okay, let's wrap it. And Ned picks up an acoustic guitar and says, do you mind if I, like, took this one in there and sang one for Dad? Oh. And I said, "Do you, can you play it? <laughs> Do you sing? Why, why don't I know this? I'm, I mean, is is this real? Do you, right. <laughs> you know? It was like, kind of took me aback. I didn't even know if he, he knew a chord on a guitar. But yep. obviously, he had been kind of working on it on his own. So he goes in and he sings it. Now, it's really rough, Chris. It's it's super rough. You know, the, we, we can fix it up some. and But the point was for us is that, look, we're, you know, the people we're playing to are going to get this. It's going to mean something to them that Chris's son is singing a song basically to his dad, you know, one of his dad's songs. So it's going to be special no matter how rough it is. Right. So it's coming from that. the heart. It goes on. The, yeah. It's on the album. So as we're doing shows now, we, as we finish a show before maybe an encore, we'd send or, We'd be in a, in a crowd where I, I would know that they all, they're going to get this. They're going to get it. You know, so Ned, go up there and sing that song. So we'd start sending him up <laughs> and he'd sing that song, you know. As, as he's playing, as we're doing this more and more, I, I said to him one night, hey, um, you're practicing, aren't you? Because you're hitting the right strings on the guitar now and, and, you, and your voice is, is getting better. You've been practicing? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I've been learning some new songs. Well, then a little ways down the road, I find out now he's slipping out and he's doing some solo things at little bitty, little bitty bars, maybe around where he lives. There's right. A few spots. He'd go and sing. Now he's learning, but he's only doing his dad's really old stuff. But he's getting better at uh, as he goes along. And then finally, I think it was uh, 2015. I said, uh, and I'd mentioned, you know, you just need to keep doing what you're doing, and then at some point take this band over. Uh, oh no, no, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do that, you know. And he'd just kind of blow it off. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think we were in Grand Junction uh, at a festival and catering. And I said, uh, okay, I think, I think next year is your year that you need to become an artist. And and give this a shot to being 2016 coming up. Right. And this is the summer of 15. And oh gosh, oh that's you know, that seems like a lot. And uh, well, you know, I I think you know you're a young guy, and family. You know, as an artist, I think you can always come back and be a drummer. Let's say if it doesn't work out. You know, he started heading in that direction in January 2016. We started managing him as an artist. Right. And of course, he had no music out at that point uh, of his own. We were, he was only doing Chris's music. Uh, but by the end of that year uh, came the first uh, uh, EP, started writing, uh, gave him unfinished songs that I had of Chris's. I'd ask uh, Peggy Ledoux if Chris had, like every songwriter has, unfinished songs, notes, right. thoughts those things and yeah yeah and i i i kind of had in mind that maybe uh maybe i could get you know with toby keith or mac McAnally or you know some folks maybe they could finish some of these songs uh and that would be a real another new chris ledoux song right you know? uh, i gave him the net and he goes well that's a good idea but i've never written a song <laughs> <You know? laughs> so well well, let's get you with Mac McAnally because they're oh. a songwriter extraordinaire, you know? Well, and he produced uh, Chris's last studio albums, several studio albums, and, and he's produced all of Ned's material. Right. So he kicked off that songwriting thing, uh, and then Ned started getting his own music, and it kind of went off from there. 
and you're out singing not only his music and, and new music, but he's still playing music from Dad. And here you are in yeah. the, the 50th anniversary. What's on tap for Ned Ledoux and the band? What's going on? Like everybody else in this business, we've been sitting around. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Not doing too much. I mean, we've done odds and ends. Uh, I will say that our last show was uh, Valentine's Day in San Antonio, Texas for the rodeo. They were doing a very stripped down, uh, called, they were calling it a retro kind of rodeo, you know, to just fit with the local guidelines, you know, for right. health and safety and, and doing a great job of it. But you know what day that was? That's the night the storm came in. That that the winter yeah. storm exactly. made itself known. Yeah, you guys got so, out. You got we, out safe, right? Uh, no, we didn't get out for an additional about five days. Oh, good. Uh, so we were spending uh, several days in uh, in a hotel with no power, you know, no heat, eventually no water. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was quite the scenario. That that was our last show. I was thinking, hey, if we haven't done but a handful of shows since this happened. And, and look what happens to us when we get one. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's, 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 I'm not going to say it's the curse, but 2021 has yeah, not yeah. been any better than 2020. Um, and now, yeah. and here you look at it a month later after the storm, and now Texas, I guess, is going to open up uh, for everybody. So uh, yeah. had you just waited a month, you know, next time I tell you to right. wait a month, Mark, yeah, listen. Just, uh, there's a reason I'm telling you. Yeah, there's mean, a reason. We're like two blocks from the river walk, you know, we can't enjoy anything. Oh, know? I hear you. You're freezing down there, and they're not. They're surely not. We're, we're seeing that light, you know, at the end there, end of the tunnel. We hope, and uh, hope, hopefully, uh, you know, we get things around uh, so we can get busier yeah. uh, this summer. We've got a lot of dates on the books, and hopefully. Uh, they come we to fruition, yeah. I um, yeah. I'm really kind of hoping, and my fingers are crossed. I I I've sent out as much information as I can. The NFR in Las Vegas uh, in December is a, you know a stone's throw from where I am on the Colorado River. So, what I'm trying to do is is get out there for the NFR. Told Ned that um, I have not seen him in concert. I think I met him once um, on the tour bus with his dad. Uh, he's kind of in writing mode. I don't know if y'all talked about that, but uh, he's in writing mode now, uh, so we can get some some new music recorded. Yeah, uh, you know, this year, so we kind of have another road song <laughs> going along, <laughs> actually. Which we've discovered that you know the road is not for everybody by any means, and, and some people are very attuned to it and really like it. And I, Chris, I can tell you that Chris would still be out there playing music you if bet. we had him and. And uh, he always said, I, I, "There's something about just watching things go by. You're moving. You yeah, know? you're going forward. You're going somewhere else. And and there's uh, there's a lot to that 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 I think when you become accustomed to it or you thrive on on getting out and moving like that. Yeah, and well, I always felt like as a tour manager, I'm doing a similar job every place we go, but it's a new set of people." Right, you know, I dealing with different people. I love the fact that, hence the reason of the radio station, I call it the highway station. I know it sounds resemblance of everybody else, and there's a reason behind it. Is Mary and I, as, as soon as COVID's over and things open up, there there's no fun in it when you're restricted so widely uh, across the U.S. Right. Mary and I, uh, we have the truck, the three, the travel trailer. And and it it seems to make sense. That's exactly what it is. Life on the road. And I kind of created a radio station playing the music I want to listen to. And I'm not going to find on the road. So I said, you know what? I don't play golf and I don't build old cars. So might as well invest my money into creating a radio station where I had the best 20 years of my life was the 80s and the 90s. And I get to hang out with some of my friends like you. So I got the the best of all worlds there. And like you said, it takes a unique individual uh, to hit the road and not minding being somewhere else at the end of the day. Caption that I stole, I don't know who wrote it. I think it's probably author unknown. I got nowhere to go and all day to get there. 
that's the way I see it. As long as you have a, a good song, uh, if anybody remembers what an 8-track tape is, as long as you have music playing on the radio that you enjoy listening to, and like you said, road music, I can't wait to see what Ned's right now. Uh, Brother Highway works. And, and then, you know me, I think I've probably sent you a couple of screenshots now and again where I have uh, uh, Ledoux stuck in the CD player in the car. And it gets you a ticket because you end up pressing a pedal to the metal too much. So, I... See, that's what happened to that guy in Jersey. Yeah. See? That's what he said. I just want to get in the car <laughs> and go down the windows and drive, you know, sometimes too fast. I just get pumped up with this Chris Ledoux. <laughs> Mark, I cannot believe we are probably going to have to do a part one and part two uh, with Mark Sissel. I mean, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to uh, to share time with me once again. Uh, Mary sends her love. Um, but that one bottle of wine that you really like of that specific year, uh, it's just long gone. We we bought up every <laughs> bottle that, that in our neighborhood. So uh, uh, you'll have to let us know uh, what your new fave is, and uh, we'll toast with you once again. It's been way too long. Well, I'm trying to drink my way through those wines to see if I can find that favorite one. You know, I'm, I'm working toward it. <laughs> Well, we... I, I I greatly appreciate the chance to talk with you, Chris, and hugs to Mary, and and uh, we will be in Vegas. So when you come out for an NFR, you know you'll be able to see a show. You know what? Now I've really got to find somebody to let me come in and do a broadcast um, at the NFR. I got I got to hang out with you. And Ned said that we can talk more Christmas tree hunting stories. And uh, we'll find out what. Uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that's a classic. So I, I, I figured I figured I'd bring him a gift. I'm going to find an axe, and uh, maybe that'll be my gift to to Ned that he can put in the back of the truck. So uh, Christmas got to work better than a pocket knife. I tell you, I, that's the way we want to look at it. If you if you have a solution, you're if you don't have the solution, you're part of the problem. So I'm going I'm yeah. to find a way. Mark, if I don't see you before then, uh, Mary and I would love to see you in December. That would be great. Fantastic. I'll uh, expect it. I, you know what? You'll get the you know, Consider this a call. Consider this a call. <laughs> that, you know what? You should that, call you know, me. Chris, I think you should come out. <laughs> you should call me sometime in November and say, hey, <laughs> it's, it's Mark, and you really need to come out and see Ned in December. And and, yeah. <laughs> and and I don't know what you'll have in store for me. Mark, thank exactly. you. You know, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, best with the band. Say hey to Ned for me next time you see him. And, uh, and take it easy. Thanks so much for your time, Chris. Have a great rest of your week. Spectacular 2021 that it's going to turn into. Trust me. You've been listening to the Hot Country Podcast, a service of the Highway Station. I invite you to visit hotcountrypodcast.com for more information on our sponsors that keep the station and the podcast on the air. In full disclosure, I am an Amazon associate reseller, referral member with Passport America and Surfshark, and do earn revenue from qualifying purchases, so thanks in advance for helping. Hot Country Podcasts can be heard on the highway station and can be downloaded from anywhere you find your favorite podcast. I'm Chris McKay. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another edition of the Hot Country Podcast.